Welcome back to Firewall's Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, Kerry Parker, and this is episode 232 for August 10th, 2021. Now, it should have been August 9th, and uh, I'm sorry for the podcast being delayed, but you know, I was at DEF CON, so it was an amazing, amazing experience, and I'd recorded a lot of snippets there. Originally, I told myself that I was going to somehow, well, hack this thing together, record all these little snippets with my little crappy little portable recording device, and on my crappy little laptop that wasn't my main laptop, I was going to put this thing together and publish it from Las Vegas uh, and pull off some miracle. But first of all, as, as, as time was going on, uh, yeah, I, I was dead tired and I just, my brain was just fried. And I, I just knew that to really do this the way I wanted to do it, I needed to wait and I needed to give myself at least 24 hours that, you know, the trip home, basically give myself a day to kind of reflect on the trip and, and collect my thoughts and decide how I wanted to approach this and, and stitch together all these many, many, many audio snippets and things I'd put together at the show. And, you know, and I wanted to do at least a good portion of the audio here in the home studio where it would sound a lot better. So this is, this is not going to be like any other podcast I've done in, in, in several ways. Normally this would be a news show this week. I go back and forth between news shows and interview shows, as anybody who's listened to the podcast knows, uh, though I feel we're probably going to get some new listeners for these uh, in particular. Uh, you know, so, I, you know, I would be doing the top headlines in security and privacy. And this week, there have been several things that I would talk about, not least of which is the Apple's decision to scan all of our Apple devices for what is considered bad stuff. And I've got a lot to say about that, but that is going to have to wait. Now, I will say that uh, if you are an owner of a Synology NAS device or a Cisco small business router, uh, there's been some hacks on those. You're definitely going to want to be paying attention for software updates for those. Uh, be on the lookout for that. But I'll cover those more in depth for the next news show, which will be in two weeks. And of course, last week being what we affectionately refer to as Hacker Summer Camp, which is DEF CON and Black Hat, the, probably the two biggest hacker conferences on the planet back to back. There's always a lot of, uh, of news to cover there, and this is no exception. But all of that will wait uh, for these next two episodes. So in this episode... I'm going to, I'm going to take you with me to DEF CON. Now, before you say, oh, this is all going to be over my head. This is all hacker computer stuff that I will never understand. This podcast is not going to be a hyper technical litany of hacker anything. My goal for this trip and for this podcast is to help non-hackers understand hackers and hacking. It's not what most people think it is. It's certainly not what's usually portrayed in movies and TV shows. Hackers are an absolutely amazing group of diverse and friendly people. And hacking culture is, frankly, something that I wish was much more prevalent in our society. And I'm going to explain that today. So, again, my mission was to kind of capture some of this vibe from this massive hacking convention in an effort to demystify hacking. And maybe, maybe even kindle some latent hacker traits in each of you. Now, for example, have you ever taken something apart just to figure out how it really worked? Have you ever taken several things apart and tried to create something new from all the pieces? 
Have you ever been forced to just MacGyver some solution to a problem using whatever you had available and succeeded and came away feeling a real sense of accomplishment? Now, there's more to hacking than this. But the hacker mindset is really just a, a self-driven desire to really learn how something works and then to try to make it do something else. That, in a nutshell to me, I mean, I'm kind of new to this, but in a nutshell to me, and after talking with several people, that that's kind of what it comes down to. But it's more than that. It's way more than that. And the culture in particular, I think, is something I really want to try to drive home today. So today's episode is going to be sort of a mini documentary of my first ever trip to DEF CON. I've been a software engineer for 28 years. I've dabbled in cybersecurity. I've been interested in cybersecurity. Um, certainly, I've been very interested in privacy since the Snowden revelations, which kind of brought me here through a long and winding road, but I'm not going to get into that too much today. But I wanted to record you know, sound clips from the convention, document all the things I was seeing and doing, and I'm going to play a few of those clips for you here today so that you can sort of experience it as I did. And then I also, while I was there, I did a lot of narration. I tried to do some of what I'm doing now there, thinking I was going to try to put it all together there. And I just decided that I wanted to basically redo most of that here. So I actually weeded out a lot of the clips that I was going to play and tried to distill it down to just the stuff that made sense from the conference. Uh, some of the things I, I captured at the conference were a handful of interviews uh, from a longtime DEF CON goer, from some of the goons or staff that run DEF CON. And to some, you know, newbies, some people that I've met like me who had never been to DEF CON before. And just for fun, I'm going to kind of bring you along with me as I experienced trying to get this one killer interview that's, uh, that you're going to hear next week. So a few things to note about this. Okay, now the audio is not going to be anywhere near as good as this. This is a really nice home studio with sound deadening panels all around me and a really nice microphone, yada, yada, yada. And all I had with me was a tiny little handheld Sony recorder. That was, that was fine, uh, but there's always a lot of background noise. You're going to hear me breathe on the mics a little bit. You're going to hear, you know, different sounds and whatever. So, you know, hey, that's just the fun of a raw live interview. Also, you are going to hear some swearing. And I normally try not to do that, but at, at DEF CON, you're definitely going to hear some swearing. And there's some kind of key parts of this I want to bring to you. So just, you know, if you get a trigger warning about cuss words, there's going to be a few of those in the show today. Now, I hope that we've actually drawn some new people to this. I'm hoping that because of uh, the content of this and the next episode, that we brought in some hackers, hopefully some people that I met at the show, hopefully some people I didn't meet, hopefully some other hackers that through you know social media uh, heard about this podcast, and this is your first time. So if so, welcome to the show. Now, this is not going to be Darknet Diaries, and it's not even going to be Security Now. This show is really news and interviews about security and privacy for the layman, regular, everyday people. In other words, like 99.9% .9 of the planet. And so this podcast, along with, you know, my book and my blog, this is kind of how I contribute to the cause. My goal is to educate regular everyday people on the basic things they need to do for security and privacy. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this and I hope you'll actually stick around even after these two DEF CON oriented episodes. You might want to dig around in some of my past episodes. If you go to my website, firewallsdon'tstopdragons.com, there's a podcast tab there, and I've got sort of some highlights there. You'll definitely recognize a lot of those names. I've been privileged to interview people like Bruce Schneier, Troy Hunt, Phil Zimmerman, Corey Doctorow, and many other people uh, from EFF, and actually a lot of C-suite execs. Uh, and I've been very lucky to get some of these people and had some really great interviews. So you might want to go back and check some of those out. Now, before we get into DEF CON proper, let's talk about DEF CON prep. So if you haven't really given this thought yet, <laughs> let's have a little thought experiment. 
How does one prepare exactly to spend five days in the company of mm, several thousand elite hackers? Do you bring your regular cell phone? Or perhaps do you buy a burner cell phone? Do you bring your regular laptop? Or even bring a computer at all? If so, how do you at least attempt to lock down these devices so you don't end up getting hacked? Or as hackers like to say, pwned? It turns out there are many answers to these questions, and they run the gamut. I did a lot of research on this before coming. But before I get to the specifics, here's, here's kind of how I ended up approaching this after talking with several people. First of all, nothing is 100% secure. Nothing. Fort Knox is not 100% secure. You could drop an A-bomb on Fort Knox, for example. Now, I could try taking no electronics, but going Stone Age is really not practical. I mean, I wouldn't enjoy the conference. So, you know, where do you draw that line? So, you know, after doing a podcast for this long and a book, and I've managed to interview a lot of people, I've had a lot of contacts in this area. So I reached out to several people who I knew had been to these kind of conferences before, in particular DEF CON, and, you know, say, hey, <laughs> I'm a newbie. What, what should I be doing here? And I got a lot of great responses. And I will say that I found one really nice, uh, thorough explanation of this on a blog called The Placebo Effects. And there's a link to this in the show notes, and it was called Preparing for Hacker Summer Camp. And had a lot of great info in there too. But again, you know, how do you approach this? So, you know, in the real world, how you prepare or configure anything depends largely on your personal threat model. You know, are you a likely or a very juicy target or are you just some regular schmo like me? What are you trying to protect? Like enumerate the things that you're trying to protect. What are your threat vectors? Where are the threats going to come from in your best estimate? What is your attack surface? What are the different entry points? What are the different possible chinks you might have in your armor, where are you potentially vulnerable? And then after you've kind of gone through all that exercise, then you try to figure out how to minimize your threats, your risks, and yet still somehow be functional and productive. And if you're really lucky, still have a good time. So like so many things, it kind of comes down to this 80-20 rule. I mean, at some point you have to trust something or someone, you know, don't be stupid, go for all the really low hanging fruit, but at the end of the day, it's really each individual's choice. You know, you have to understand where you're coming from and find that personal trade-off, decide where you are willing to draw that line somewhere on this spectrum between convenience and, you know, security and privacy for that matter. And I, you know, decided kind of early on that I didn't want to detract from the overall experience. I didn't want to hamper myself. And that on the end, I also didn't want to end up on the wall of sheep, which I will talk a little bit more about later. But I mean, think of it this way. I, I like my analogies. I mean, you know, if you're a world traveler, if you're, if you're somebody who's gotten out of your comfort zone, gone out of your country and gone someplace else that you where you weren't familiar, uh, you know, when you're a traveler, there are certain areas that you come to know are more dangerous than others in terms of, let's say, pickpockets or even just people kind of, you know, trying to scam or hassle you. It doesn't mean you don't go on vacation. It doesn't mean you don't go to these nice places. It just means that you you know, you act a little differently. You change things a little bit. You're a little less comfortable. You know, you're going to St. Mark's Square in Venice, or you're going to be hanging around the Eiffel Tower in Paris. There's so many tourists there. Is the, you know, the pickpockets know that. And so you have to be aware of that too. You know, so what do you do? Well, maybe you leave some things at home. Not everything, but some things. Or maybe at least you leave things in the hotel safe when you know you're going to be kind of going to some of these areas. Maybe you wear your purse or whatever, across your chest with a really thick strap, something that can't be easily cut. 
Maybe you put your wallet in your, from your front pocket instead of your back pocket, or maybe you even get like a neck wallet, something that hangs around your neck and inside your shirt that's really hard for someone just to pick up and go. Now, these are all simple things. They, they don't really interfere with your trip, but they do lower your risk of being a victim. That's the kind of mental exercise that we're going through here. All right, so what did I actually do here? So I brought my not primary laptop. I actually have a second laptop that I kind of goof around with. It has Windows installed. Well, I upgraded to Windows 10 Pro. Once I did that, I was able to encrypt the hard drive. I also partitioned it so that I could install Linux, Kali Linux in this case, on a separate partition. And I know I said I wasn't going to get technical. But all that really means is I was actually able to boot two different operating systems from one laptop. And I didn't really care about either of them. I had enough on there to be productive, but no juicy data really. If worse came to worse, and I lost that laptop completely, I wouldn't care. Now, one thing that was kind of a pain in the butt, uh, but it's highly recommended by everybody I talk to, is that you basically turn off all of your wireless interfaces. So I turned off Bluetooth and Wi-Fi on my laptop. And I did the same thing for my iPhone. So then the next question is, is well, how did I connect to the internet, particularly with the laptop? Well, if, of course, on the iPhone, I had cellular data I could connect that way. And that's, while not 100% secure, tends to be a little more secure than Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. And then I brought a cable with me so I could hook the iPhone directly via wire to my laptop and get to the internet that way through my phone, which really worked out quite well, to be honest. Now, I tried using a VPN over cellular and honestly, it kind of flaky. I even had two different VPNs I tried and it didn't really work. Uh, so in a lot of cases, I did end up having to trust the cellular network. And as we've talked on the show before, and historically I've been told has happened, is you could create cell site simulators, which would try to get your phone to connect to them in an insecure fashion, allowing them to see your traffic. But at the end of the day, it's really kind of harder to do that with modern standards, as long as I don't look at my phone and see that it's connecting to 2G. And knowing that most traffic on the internet today is encrypted anyway with HTTPS, uh, that was one place where I do the line and said, you know what, I'm just going to go with that. Now, I did bring my regular iPhone because I didn't want to have to buy a whole other cell phone for this. Because if I did, I would buy another iPhone and they're not cheap. So I just turned off the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. I backed up my phone so that if anything happened, I could just come back home and fully restore it. And one more thing that I learned that was really interesting, and this actually came up recently uh, when we talked about the Pegasus software that was used to hack a lot of phones from the NSO group, is a lot of these hacks... You know, if they find a way to get into your phone, they're not persistent, which is to say that if you just reboot your phone, the privileged access from some of these really clever hacks is usually lost. So, you know, once a day or so, at least I would reboot my phone. Now, the next thing is, especially with DEF CON, it's interesting, and it's different from every other conference I've ever been to. And that is normally on a regular year, you don't pre-register. You don't, you know, go to some website, register for the conference, pay them with a credit card and then show up and expect to get in. DEF CON is cash only. They don't want the records. They don't want the privacy headache. You show up, you get there early, you pay the cash, you get your badge, you're in. Now, because this was a hybrid conference, they needed to do some something special this year. And they actually did have pre-registration, which worked out better for me because now I didn't have to wait in super long lines at DEF CON, what they call LineCon, to score this really cool badge. And we're going to talk about the badges here later. They're just amazing. And this year was no exception. They are not your little paper, you know, my name is Carrie kind of badges. And so 300 bucks was what I paid by credit card before I got there. But they still have swag and things that they sell there. And a lot of vendors, uh, and certainly DEF CON itself, when you're buying a t-shirt or whatever you're going to buy from DEF CON, is cash only. So I had to make sure I bring cash. Now, I also bought myself an RF, or radio frequency blocking, wallet. Because I knew I wasn't going to take you know my regular whole wallet with all my, all my credit cards in it. And I was just going to bring a couple cards and even a debit card. 
and I wanted that to be, you know, protected from radio frequencies because most of our cards now actually are, you know, we can tap to pay, right? That means there's radio frequencies going on there. And again, you're going to a hacker conference, so you need to be protected. This is the tinfoil hat mentality. And you need to have that to some degree here. So anyway, I have a wallet with that. It's actually built into the wallet to help block radio signals from getting to my credit cards while they're in my wallet. And a debit card, because we've talked about this before, uh, I never use a debit card unless I absolutely have to. But since I needed you know, some way to get more cash from an ATM, I did have to bring my debit card, but I didn't bring it to the conference. I just left it in my hotel safe. And then I, you know, if I needed more cash, I'd go off the strip somewhere uh, to save on fees and to get away from the hackers uh, to get more cash. I also, you know, got some kind of mundane things. I got myself a brand new suitcase. I got a really nice new backpack. Uh, and, oh, and I guess I should say the suitcase uh, came, it's a hard, it was a hard case and it comes with a built-in combo lock. The little zippers go around and kind of fit into this lock. And when you fit them in, uh, you turn the, the combination and you can't pull the zippers back out, which, you know, it's not a great lock, but it, it will keep most people out of your suitcase. But it also has a little place in there for a TSA master key, a skeleton key. And we've talked about that on the show before, and that's why it's never good to have a back door. You can actually, and I've done this myself, the suite of TSA keys that get into the special TSA approved locks were hacked years ago. Somebody did a story on these in the Washington Post and actually posted a picture of all seven keys. And some hacker from the picture alone was able to reproduce three-dimensional models of those keys. And I've actually printed with my 3D printer. I've printed all seven keys. Now, they were plastic. They'd probably just break. But just as a proof of concept, it could be done. Anyway, but again, 80-20, this was secure enough for what I'm looking for. Somebody really wanted to get in there. They wouldn't even need a TSAK. They just need a bolt cutter. So again, I got some other stuff too. I, you know, got some new walking shoes and broke them in before I went. And I bought some audio equipment, I, you know, because I, I knew I was going to maybe have this really big interview. So I bought a little portable mixer. I bought a couple of wired, you know, lav mics. I already had a little digital voice recorder, decided that's what I was going to use. So anyway, that was, that was kind of what I did and how I personally decided to draw that line. All right, so let's get into it now. Um, this is, uh, you know, some of these clips are going to be a little disjoint. But basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you several clips and talk around them as we go and kind of explain a little bit more what they're from and give a little bit more context. So are you ready? Come on, let's go to DEF CON 29. Well, this is it. I am in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm here for day one of DEF CON. And uh, it's already gotten off to a really good start. You can probably tell my voice is already a little bit hoarse. We got in, me and my buddy, uh, who you will hear at some point probably on this show, got in about 2.30, and Black Hat, which is the sister conference to this, which is the other half of Hacker Summer Camp, is going on, and it starts before DEF CON. They overlap a little bit. And so if you had a ticket for DEF CON, you were allowed to go and get a basic pass for Black Hat. So we went over to Black Hat just for less than an hour, honestly. But it was such a different experience there. It was very corporate. If you've been to any industry trade show of any sort with all the booths and the fancy displays from the really uh, deep-pocketed companies, it was a lot like that, except it had an open bar, like actually several open bars throughout the entire floor area. We had two drinks before we left in that hour's time, including some very expensive whiskey. So that really kind of set the tone for the whole week so far. Uh, and then Black Hat had a big party at the top of Mandalay Bay, or somewhere way up high in Mandalay Bay, 64th floor. 
and we had a free ticket to that too. So I uh, went over there last night, checked that out. It was a lot of fun, and I'm kind of hoarse because I've been talking to those people, and it was really loud in there, so I had to kind of yell. So anyway, you're going to probably hear my voice get progressively worse uh, as this week goes on. But I am really super excited. I can't wait to get downstairs from my hotel room to check out day one of DEF CON. And I'm bringing you with me. All right. So let's talk a little bit specifics about how this con is set up. So Black Hat and DEF CON are held every year in Las Vegas back to back with a little bit of overlap. Now, back in 2019, which was DEF CON 27, and again, this year's 29, there was something like 30,000 attendees. And I think it spanned five different Las Vegas hotels. And then, of course, you know, COVID-19 hit, and last year, DEF CON 28 was purely virtual, and they called it safe mode. Now, this year, uh, because COVID was, you know, starting to, at least, uh, come under some sort of control, they decided early this year, uh, March or April or somewhere in there, maybe it was as late as May, that they were going to do at least a, a partially in-person conference that was going to be a hybrid conference. We're all used to that term now. And bring some people to Vegas, but also provide a way for, you know, people to access DEF CON who couldn't come. So it's kind of a combination of a regular and a and the safe mode conference. And as Jeff Moss, who's the head guy at DEF CON, pointed out in his opening speech, it's really like doing two and a half conferences. Because now you not only have to do it one way and the other way, but make them work together. So I think what ended up happening was 8,700 people, almost 9,000 people were there in person this time. So a little less than a third Plus, I think they still had a 1,000 uh, staff, but it was much smaller. I'm kind of referring to it as DEF CON Lite, which for me, actually, I think was great. And I'll talk more about that later in the show. But anyway, so there's two. there were two, two Vegas Strip hotels involved in this one. It was the Paris and Bally's. And I, me and my buddy were staying at Paris. And these two were connected. They're both owned by Caesars. And the two are right next to each other. So they're connected. We didn't even have to go outside, which turned out to be great. I'll talk more about the weather in a minute. But it was, you know, if you've ever been to a casino in Vegas, it's a maze. Like, that, <laughs> it's a roach motel. They don't, they don't want you to leave. But unfortunately, it also meant you kind of had to learn to fish your way through some uh, the casino floor and some other weird shopping areas to get between the two areas between Bally's and Paris. Now, outside, when we did have to go out to dinner or somewhere else, which there was a lot of plenty of places to eat on, on, uh, on site. But, you know, every once in a while, you got to get out. And we used Uber for that, and that worked out pretty well. I was bothered by the cigarette smoke, I got to say. You get used to not having that. But it, man, in casinos, it's still everywhere. Though actually, we actually had smoke outside one of the days with the California wildfires or the West Coast wildfires were floating in. And uh, there was one really hazy day with horrible air quality. Luckily, we didn't have to go out much that day. Now, of course, the other thing was COVID. And it, it, with the Delta variant running rampant right now in the United States, especially, well, actually, it's really just about everywhere at this point. But it's particularly bad around Las Vegas. The local government there basically decided to reinstitute a mandatory indoor mask mandate, which, to its great credit, DEFCON had already said they were going to do, regardless of whatever the city said they were going to do. Everybody had to be fully vaccinated. You had to prove it with your original paperwork, and you had to wear a mask inside. And the goons, the staff, enforced that. They weren't mean about it, but I mean, if you were someplace and you were, you know, you went to go eat something, drink something, and you left your mask down and forgot to put it back up, you know, they'd gently remind you that, hey, put your mask back on. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed, I've not gotten sick with anything. I've, of course, I've been vaccinated, but there's <laughs> there's definitely something called con crud, which is you know the affectionate name for going with a huge group of people and interfacing with lots of people and coming home with something, even just a cold. I came home from CES in January 2020, which was also in Las Vegas, with like 120 or 130 thousand people, and I I came home sick with something. It was not COVID, but uh, you know maybe 
maybe having the mask on all the time will actually help that. There was also, you know, hand sanitizer everywhere. So uh, if you were really on top of it, you could be sanitizing things left and right. So also, since it because it was a hybrid, they had lots of online aspects to this, things they'd carry over, I'm sure, from last year in safe mode. In particular, they had a Discord server, a really big one. Uh, it was kind of actually intimidating to try to find, uh, or just difficult to find what you wanted to find uh, in this huge, huge ch- server with, gosh, it must have been hundreds of channels. But it meant that people around the world who couldn't come could still participate. And they made a very conscious effort to make the ex- the remote experience as good as it could possibly be. But this brings me back to another point that I mentioned earlier. Uh, when you've got a Discord-type server, you can create little bots that are helpful. They had a little information bot, for example. You could ask this thing a question, and if it was a simple question, it would just give you an automated response. And if it didn't know the answer, then it would say, well, let me go get a goon to help you with that. And they would notify somebody to come in and check out this question and answer it directly. But one of the other ones they had was the Wall of Sheep bot. Now, I've watched the documentary, which you should do, and I'll talk about that later, three times, but I've not been there. I was not there. Back in the old days, what I've heard is, <laughs> this is a hacker conference, if you go there and you have really poor personal security and somebody is able to sniff out you making a connection someplace and get your credentials, they would just post them, like literally on a physical wall of some sort, some sort of a printout on a wall, and you could go look on the wall, this wall of sheep, define you might and you don't want to see your name on this wall so in the old days it would actually not redact it you would see your name and your credentials like for instance your vpn credentials to your company now i think since then they've dialed that back a little bit but there actually is in discord a wall of sheep bot and you could go to the bot and you can say wos wall of sheep wos have i leaked question mark and you have to get the you have to get that exactly right. And there's a bot watching all the traffic. And if it sees that exact phrase, it, it looks up who sent it. And somewhere in the back end servers, they were keeping track of this information that, that I've told you about. If, if you've been noticed leaking information somewhere, and it would tell you whether you're leaking or not. And in my case, it, the wall of sheep bot, when I asked this question several times throughout the course of the, the, uh, the show would say, no, at Banana Junior, you have not been observed leaking. So Banana Junior is my hacker handle. Many people go by their hacker handles here because, you know, Mike, Steve, Karen, Mary, these are very common names. And if you do a good job picking your hacker handle, that will at least be unique. All right. So the next, I'm going to play the next clip now. It's going to talk a little bit about the first thing we did. And and I recorded that first snippet in the hotel hotel room before I went down because it was the first day. We get get down there early. You want to get your badge. You got to go through registration, get your badge, uh, and then you immediately jump from there to go to the long, long line to buy DEFCON swag. But these badges are not regular conference badges. If you've been to any conference, you, you know, you, when you check in, they give you a little paper badge, usually in a nice little plastic sleeve, clear plastic sleeve that has, you know, nice little picture of the conference on it. And it has your name, perhaps your company, perhaps your title, and, you know, a little nylon lanyard of some sort. So you could put it around your neck, and when you're walking around, people could see who you are. In modern conferences, a lot of them have QR codes as well, so that when you walk into a vendor booth and they're trying to sell you something, and they could say, oh, hey, can I scan your badge? And, of course, what, what that means when you do that is that you've just given them permission to spam you. Now, of course, when you're going to this conference, you should expect that, right? That's kind of probably why you're there. Your company sent you there to look for new products, to search out new things that are going on, maybe check out the competition. And, you know, so it's it's supposed to be an information sharing thing. DEF CON badges are nothing like that. 
DEFCON badges are works of art. They are active computer systems with multiple chips and interfaces. Now, this has grown over the years. They, don't, they weren't always like this. But I think the whole, the whole DEF CON badge thing, it really is kind of a microcosm of the whole DEF CON experience. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little time here to go through it. And I'm still only going to scratch the surface. But just to, just to give you an idea of what goes in to a DEF CON badge. So first of all, it was, a, it was a sandwiched PCB, printed circuit board. It was two boards held together with spacers with computer chips on them and USB interfaces. Uh, in particular, it was kind of a square, sort of a square shape. And if you look at it from the top, it looks like kind of like a cube uh, uh, as far as how it's painted. It's painted to look like a cube, a three-dimensional cube represented as a two-dimensional object. And on two of the sides, let's say north and west, uh, there was a little tiny male USB connector. And on the other two edges, the south and east, was a little female connector. So first and foremost, you could take your badge. It's got a battery on it. It's powered up. It's a little working computer. Uh, and turn it on, and you could connect your badge to anybody else's badge. The male and female parts fit together, and, and they talk. These badges will talk to each other, and you will, they will pair. And so this was kind of a social thing. You, they, they created a system by which you could pair, and you wanted to pair. You, you tried to get the maximum number of pairs. You tried to pair up as many people as possible. So that brought people together. You know, funny excuse to, hey, pair with my badge. But there's more. There's a, there's way more. So the lanyard, instead of just being a piece of nylon strap with clips at the end, the lanyard was actually a functioning USB cable. And on one end was a regular USB-A port. On the other end was a USB-C port. And at the top of the badge was uh, two ports where you'd hook these in. You could actually hang your thing around your neck by the by this cord plugged into these ports. The, they didn't really recommend it. You could also put them together and there's a little clippy thing. Uh, that allowed you to clip it onto the board and kind of hide the USB ends of the of the cables inside the little clip thing. But the badges also had four buttons on them, like uh, buttons on a key on a on a keyboard. In fact, they had, they were standard keyboard keys. They had little keycaps on them that you could pull off and put on. And these keys were clear, and they had lights behind them, colored lights. And so, when the first time you turned it on, it lit up with I think red, green, yellow, and blue. And it made funny sounds as well. So, what do you do with these buttons? Well, first of all, uh, if you figure out how to do it, when you turn it on the right way and hold one button down while you turn the power on, it's a little Simon Says game. If you remember the old Simon Says game, I think back in the 80s, it was this little round electronic device with four big pie-shaped buttons on them with different colored different colored buttons with different colored lights behind them. And it, you'd start the game and it would play, you know, one, one button. It would light up one button. You hit the button. Then it would light up another sequence, that button and something else. And then a sequence of three. And, you, and the game was you had to match the sequence without fail and without timing out. That entire concept, that entire Simon game concept was built into this badge. If you turned it on in Simon mode and hit start, hit the start button, uh, it would go through this thing. It would show you one and then two and then three and then four. It will keep extending that sequence of different buttons in random order. And you had to follow that sequence until you messed up. But. Because these people are freaking amazing. When you hook multiple badges together, and I do mean multiple, I think they maxed out last I heard at 70 of these chained together through the lanyards. It was a multi-person Simon game. So it wasn't just you having to remember the sequence of all the things that are happening on yours. As soon as, let's say, you put four people together, all chained together, and, you, and one of them has a start button, hit start, 
Somewhere on one of the 16 keys across four badges, a light would light up. And that person would have to hit that light. And then two lights would light up, and perhaps it was on two different badges. And this would just keep going. And of course, these badges, being computers, they remembered all this. And so at some point throughout this whole process, you could take your badge and hook it up to a little display. Actually, it wasn't little. It was quite large. A really big display that showed up on the wall all of your accomplishments. How many games have you played solo? How many games have you played with people? What's the longest chain you've made? What's the longest sequence that you've managed to do? And then it'll also show you how many different types of badges that you've paired with. And of course, the total number of badges, but there was, I think, seven main different kinds of badges. There was the human badge, which everybody got. That's just your regular attendee badge. Then there, of course, there was goon badge. If you were a goon, you got a special badge. It looked a little different, shaped the same, different color. It said goon on it. There were vendors, of course, people selling stuff. There were artists. Uh, there were also creators, which uh, I never quite got the difference between the two, but there was there was a difference there. There was one for press. And I, I may be missing one. I think there was one other. And so also showed on this display and remembered in the memory of this device was all the different types of badges. And once you got one of every kind of device, at least one connection, one pairing with every kind of badge, you have now got the signal. And the, the theme for DEFCON 29 was you can't stop the signal. And I'm not going to go all the way into what all that means. There's a lot of metaphorical stuff behind why they chose that. But you now have the signal. And now the next step, and there are many more in this process, is now you could pair with 20 more people. And if once you've gotten the signal, once you've kind of spread that to 20 more people, then the next layer opens up. And now you are offered a red pill or a blue pill. Now, how are you, how is this possible? Well, at this point, you're, you're really going to need to connect this to your computer because there's an interface on this for your computer where you can go to a command line and interface and talk to your badge and query it for some of these things. And by, and by the way, uh, you're thinking, well, how does this done remotely? These guys figured that out too. It was a husband and wife team that did this. Uh, the name of their company was MK Factor. M and K were their first initials. And if you interface this to your computer, the pairing could be done remotely and over Discord or whatever, any communication channel. You would go to your device, you would ask it for a code, and you would give that code to someone else. They would enter that code into their device, which would then reply with a, uh, a, another code. And give, they give that back to you and you enter that into your device and now you're paired. So even though that you were remote, even though we were somewhere else on the planet, you could still participate in this. And so <laughs> once you decided on red pill versus blue pill, then it really went nuts and, and got really technical. I never got that far. I didn't have time. But at that point, you start getting clues about how to modify your badge to open up the next level. You know, sometimes you have to cut a trace on the printed circuit board to open a connection. Sometimes you had to make a connection. You had to solder a little wire between two different points on the badge, which opened up some other new level. Honestly, it was it was just amazing to me. I'd, I'd heard about these badges, but I'd never experienced it first, firsthand. So uh, it was just absolutely fascinating. And the husband and wife team that did this, normally, you know, obviously you'd think, well, you've got 12 years to put this together, right? You know, every conference is in August, so you've got until next August to do it. Well, they were looking for new people to create the badge this year. And this couple, just almost on a whim, decided to enter into this contest and they won <laughs> and they really weren't ready for that. Uh, but it was also because of the contest and things it ran long and because you have hybrid and whatever reason it is all kind of compressed. And these guys had to put all these things together and create like 13,000 of these badges, like manufacture them and assemble them and flash them with software all in four months. 
it was really just astounding. And there's a video about this with a presentation from this couple and how they did it. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Um, I'm really hoping actually that they're going to post the one that they did. They redid that presentation with some more info at the closing ceremonies, and I hope they post that one. Uh, but if nothing else, I'll post the one that they pre-recorded. And it's just absolutely amazing what these guys went through. And it's really a, a testament to the hacker and DEF CON spirit. And I'm sure that's why they were selected to do this. And I'm sure Jeff Moss, the founder, was very happy that he chose these guys to do it because it was really just phenomenal. Now, there was an article posted about the badge early on, and it doesn't have quite the amount of detail I just went into. Uh, on a website called Hackaday. And, you know, maybe they'll update it to extend it. I don't know. But I put a link to that in the show notes. You could also talk about these badges and some of the things I just mentioned. So anyway, with that as backdrop, let's go to my next clip of us going down to get our badge and our swag. So after we kind of registered this morning, we, me and my buddy David came up to the room, uh, my hotel room, and started playing around with our badges because we had to, like I said, we had to update the firmware. Uh, we had to kind of figure out what's what. Uh, even just kind of learning how to connect to the badge from your computer was really interesting. So we kind of spent some time on that and we, you know, we kind of psyched out a little bit where we were going to try to do for the day. And then we went down and we stood in line to get DEF CON swag. And so at DEFCON, just like normally, the bet, you know, normally your registration is cash only. They don't do credit cards because uh, they're very privacy focused. They want no traceability whatsoever. And you, know, you could argue why, you know, why that would be a big deal for buying a T-shirt, but you know, hey, it's just a lifestyle. Anyway, so this line has zigzagged back and forth through one small ballroom out the hallway down into the room where all the swag was, which was another small ballroom. And when I say small. I mean, it was probably still 100 feet by 100 feet. I'm not terribly good at judging distances, but these lines were long. It probably took, gosh, 45 minutes to an hour just to get from the, the end of the line to the front where you could actually buy things. But luckily, there were some fun guys in line that we got to talk to, and there's very, very social atmosphere here. So me and my buddy uh, ended up talking with them quite a bit on the road to the swag table. So again, swag's cash only, and we made sure that we brought cash. We knew this was coming. So you walk up to the table, you look up at the thing behind them, you tell them what you want, they write it down, you place your order and, and put it in this pile of paper, and then a whole bunch of people go behind the scenes and go through boxes and pull out the right size t-shirt, and uh, I got a I got a t-shirt, uh, they, they had several types, I got a hat, and they had this really cool DEF CON flag. It's really big, it's got the happy face, skull and crossbones, DEF CON symbol on it. I have no idea where I'm going to put it, but it was just too cool to pass up. So that was what I bought this morning from Swag. And that honestly wrapped off the morning. And, and then we had to go and get some food. We were already hungry because we'd gotten up early. Um, I probably only got about five hours of sleep last night. And you can already, I'm sure, hear my voice is just starting to go. We'll see how this uh, goes for the, for the weekend. All right, so this would be a good time to talk about how nice the people are at DEF CON. So while we're waiting to get our swag, and it was a long, long line, I think I said, what, 45 minutes to an hour? I think it was probably well longer than that. But the time went by quickly because we met some people in line, and we talked the whole time. And uh, a couple guys uh, that you're going to meet actually later in the show, I interviewed them because it was their first time here. And uh, we, we met them day one, waiting in the line to get swag. And uh, they're named Jesse, Matt, and Chuck, some really nice young guys. Uh, who were there with us and struck up a conversation just out of nowhere. And we really hit it off. We ended up spending a lot of time together throughout the con. But I've got a few stories here that just, I think, kind of exemplify how, how cool this place was. 
So first of all, just some simple things. Uh, we're going to talk about villages here in a minute, but there was an IoT village, and so you know these little kind of focus areas about security or and/or privacy. And so you know, I walked up to the IoT village desk. There's some people there, uh, you know, answering questions, and they had this book on the table, and it was called Hackable. I'd never heard of it before, um, but uh, you know, Hackable: How to Do Application Security Right by this guy named Ted Harrington. And the turns out the books were signed and I collect signed books. So I'm like, oh, how cool is that? Right. So, you know, I, I asked if I could get a copy of this book and she says, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry. That's a, this is our last one. We don't have any more. And I'm like, oh man, I just, oh, that's a, what a bummer. I, you know, I collect signed books. That would have been really cool. And so there were two people at the desk and I didn't really notice at the time, but the second person at the desk just kind of slipped off. And so I'm, I'm talking to this person about this author and, and how, you know, maybe I could talk to this author and get him on the podcast for a show. And I hopefully someday will. And, but before we had finished talking, the guy comes up back to the table. I didn't even know him slip away. And he drops another book on the counter and he had gone somewhere to find an extra copy of this book. And knowing that I wanted a signed copy of the book, just went and found me one. And then I went to another village uh, called the voting machine village. I think is what the name of this one was. And this started some years ago and caused quite a stir because they had uh, found ways to hack voting machines that were actively in use throughout the country in the United States. And that's a long topic that we're not going to get to here because this, this episode is already going to be long enough. But you know, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart, a, a subject which I'm very interested in. And so I went to check this place out. And there's a guy there kind of behind, behind this whole thing, uh, this village named Hari. And that's his first name. I forget his last name. Uh, who actually was featured in a documentary on HBO last year about hacking voting equipment. So I've got to go see that. And I was hoping maybe I could find this guy and talk to him and see if he could come on the podcast. Well, he was constantly surrounded by people. There was Vice Magazine, there was Reuters, there was Associated Press, uh, Wall Street Journal, I, I think. Lots of all the big names were there. And trying to get into this guy was impossible. So I went back to the desk where uh, there was this other young woman really nice person named Nikki. And uh, I just got to talk with her and we just struck up a conversation. She was so nice. Turns out she was fresh out of college and she was actually a poli sci major. And that immediately raised my eyebrows because I'm a political junkie. I try to keep out of it in this podcast because to me, security and privacy are not political things. At least they shouldn't be. But she and I got to talk about some, you know, fun stuff. And, uh, you know, I actually, she was, she was dying for water. And I said, Hey, can I go get you a drink? She's like, Oh, you know, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll be fine. I'll get one in a minute. And I was like, okay, well, she was really nice. And so I went off and bought her a bottle of water and brought her back. And we had some more chance to talk about ranked choice voting and gerrymandering and things like that, which I totally get off on. I would really wish we had somehow had time to go off somewhere later with, you know, with Hari and some others and drink and talk about <laughs> ranked choice voting. So I told her, well, you know, maybe next year we could do that. But here's another rule. Uh, one of the one of the rules or things I picked up at DEF CON that I had not heard anywhere else before that I thought was... I thought it was just really cool. And I want to explain how this affected my experience at DEF CON. And that's called the Pac-Man rule. And if you could picture the old Pac-Man video game, it's, you know, kind of the circle with the, the pie-shaped wedge cut out. That's the mouth and it goes around eating up dots. And, but the idea of the Pac-Man rule is that when you're out at a party or socializing or whatever at these, at this conference, leave a space open you know, make your little circle of friends where you're sitting around drinking and talking and having a good time uh, look like a Pac-Man, which is to say there's an opening because you want a space so that when somebody comes up, they can say, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? And strike up a conversation. So that might sound a little sappy, but I'm telling you, <laughs> that has been my experience at DEF CON. So I went to a, 
the level up party at Black Hat the first night. And I walk in the doors at 64th floor, don't know anybody there. My buddy was back at the hotel, but you know, I was bound to determine to go socialize. And I walk in the door and I get about halfway into the room and, you know, I want to get a drink. And so uh, a cocktail waitress walked by and I said, you know, how do I get a drink? She said, well, what do you want? And I said, oh, well, I'd, how about a tequila sunrise? She said, sure. So just wait right here. So now I'm in the middle of this party by myself and I'm stuck to this point on the floor because I want to make sure I get my drink whenever it comes. So I'm obviously standing there by myself. And this, you know, not two minutes later, this gentleman walks up to me who's attending as well and says, hey, my name's so-and-so. What's your name? What are you doing here? Strikes up a conversation out of nowhere. Turns out this guy's kind of an introvert. Uh, he, he said he was anyway, and but he makes a point when, especially at these conferences, especially if he sees somebody that appears to be alone, to approach them and start up a conversation. Turns out I spent the whole rest of the night with him and the rest of the people that had come in with him. Uh, and I got my drink. <laughs> uh, and we had some great conversations. And literally, like, we had this guy, I forget the guy's name, but this just totally embodies to me the way this conference went. He, We talked to some people for a little while, and those people kind of drifted off. And he maybe had two or three other people with him in his kind of group. And he's like, you want to try something else? And I'm like, yeah. And so he just walked over, like, literally to the next group of people sitting at a table and just start, struck up a conversation. And I stayed with those people for probably a half hour and learned some really cool stuff. It was really cool. And so I kind of flipped the script on that the next night for the first pool party at DEF CON. And so Bally's pool, they rented out, I don't know how many pools they have, but they there's one whole pool area that they rented out um, for us. So it was just just us, uh, just the DEF CON attendees in, in this thing. And they got a DJ, a really nice DJ playing some really great, you know, EDM kind of music uh, and, and a bar, of course. And so I, I, I walk in, I start walking around the pool and I, I don't think I got more than halfway around the pool. I saw a group of people and they were kind of Pac-Man style. They had a little opening for me. And so I just walked up to introduce myself and I stayed with those guys all night. In fact, I met up with those guys, I think for the next two nights at the other pool parties. No, I skipped the pool party the next night, but the, the third night I found them again and, and, uh, on Saturday night and we drank a lot and we talked a lot and they were not newbies. So they filled me in on a lot of history and that was just so super cool. And they just totally adopted me. No questions asked. Now these people know who they are. I, I honestly am horrible with names. I only remember one name, but because I didn't get permission, I'm not even going to say it, but she knows who she is. She was actually kind of the leader of this group. Her, her and her husband were there. And, and this other, this other guy that was a really good friend of theirs, uh, I, I, I guess, uh, had, had, close, you know, shaved hair on the side and a little ponytail on the back. And just, to, just to give you a little flavor with some of these people I like, he's handing out stickers. Stickers are a big thing at conferences like this, especially hacker conferences. You put stickers on your laptop, just filled with stickers. And so some people make their own stickers. I did, uh, not as cool as this guy's, uh, and he handed me one of his stickers. The sticker was him in George Costanza pose. If you know what I'm talking about with Seinfeld, he's laying on some random bed, probably I assume his, in some shirt opened at the chest, just <laughs> kind of sexy pose uh, on the bed. That was his sticker. And uh, I will somehow find a way to treasure that sticker. I didn't even put it on my laptop. I'm, I'm going to find, I'm going to scan it or something. But uh, yeah, these guys had like, this guy in particular had some ex-military experience. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, just a total wide variety and diversity of people. And it was such a good time. And it, everybody was so welcoming, so friendly. And I've been to several conference, conferences and it's it's never been anything like this. All right, so let's move on to the next clip, next short clip here. And this talks a little bit about how hot it was, 
a little bit more about villages and what's going on there, some parties, and a very, very important other DEF CON rule. All right, so let me wrap up day one for you from DEF CON. So a few things. First of all, it's really freaking hot here in Las Vegas. It hit 113 degrees today. Now, granted, we were inside most of the day, but we did go out for dinner and we did a couple things outdoors. And you, you go outside and it, it's hot, but the wind is hot. Like the wind blows on you and it feels like an oven. And they say it's a dry heat. So yeah, sure, it's a dry heat, but it's still really freaking hot. So tomorrow is the first really big day. Like Friday and Saturday are where most things happen. So we've got a lot of things planned for tomorrow. Because it's a virtual or half virtual or a hybrid conference, a lot of the talks are virtual, meaning they're, they're pre-recorded or in some few cases, I think they're actually streamed live from somewhere else. Like Bruce Schneier is actually giving a talk, but he's not here. So instead of going to a lot of the talks, I'm going to look at those later when I get home. And since they're all recorded, I'll just watch them in my at my leisure when I get back home. But there's a lot of villages here. Like there's like themes, like there's a car hacking village and a biohacking village and a crypto and privacy village and an artificial intelligence village and an election hacking village. Uh, there's, there's many. There's probably two dozen uh, of these villages here. And I'm going to go to a few of the ones I'm most interested in tomorrow just to kind of poke around, see what they're doing. All right, so I'm going to go to some parties. There's a pool party. They've actually had ballets. They've rented out an entire outdoor pool for us to party at. They have DJs. Uh, every hour it changes to a different DJ. So that should be interesting. And then there's another indoor room uh, with yet another DJ. So I'm going to swing by those parties and see what's going on and do a little socializing and then try to actually get some sleep tonight. I guess that brings me to one more thing I haven't talked about yet, and that is one of the rules of DEF CON is the three, two, one rule. And we've talked about three, two, one before on the podcast in re reference to backups, which is to say you need three copies of anything important, the original and two backups. You need two different storage media, two different ways to store that, like maybe a hard drive and a flash drive or cloud drive or something. And then one of those has to be offsite. So we've talked about three, two, one in terms of backup. Three, two, one at DEF CON has a very different meaning. <laughs> and at DEF CON, the three, two, one rule is you must get at least three hours of sleep per night. You must eat at least two meals and must take at least one shower. So, so far, so good. I am staying within those guidelines. All right. So now it's time for day two. Uh, day two really is where things really honestly get kicked off at DEF CON. Day, day one, Thursday is sort of a get settled in day, get your registration done, get your swag. The vendor booths aren't even open yet on until Friday. There are some talks or things you can kind of get yourself going, but like the, again, they don't call it a keynote, but like the opening ceremonies don't happen until Friday. So this is me getting ready for day two and finally revealing who my killer interview is going to be. All right. Well, today is day two of DEF CON, the first real day of stuff happening. And uh, actually, let me lower my mask just long enough to talk uh, here. I'm off in a corner of a room trying to find a little peace and quiet. So the first order of the day is going to be a sort of a keynote. They don't call it a keynote, but it's kind of a kickoff thing by none other than Dark Tangent. Dark Tangent is a.k.a. Jeff Moss, who is the person who founded DEF CON. And uh, I'll let you in on the secret that I've been keeping for a little while. And my killer interview should be with Dark Tangent. Through some of the connections I made over the last year in my retirement, I've managed to find somebody who knows him well 
And supposedly, I've got an interview with him on Sunday morning, the last day of DEF CON. We shall see if that actually happens. He's a very, very busy man. I'm surprised he agreed to do it at all. I do have at least one email from him saying he wants to do it on Sunday morning. I have yet to find out what time and what place. So you will find out when I do whether or not that actually happens. So there you have it. I, I, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, I tried to keep it secret because I wasn't sure if this was going to happen. So I didn't want to build up everybody's expectations. Uh, you know, I did kind of give my patrons on Patreon a little heads up, but uh, I, honestly, I was not sure this was going to happen. Jeff was so busy. I, I just couldn't comprehend that he was going to have time for somebody like me. Now, the somebody I mentioned that set this up was Melanie Ensign. I've got to give a huge thank you to Melanie. Uh, she's the founder and CEO of a company called Discernible. And uh, I had met Melanie, well, virtually met her, last fall at a Usenix conference, a small Usenix conference called PEPR, P-E-P-R, which stands for Privacy Engineering Practice and Respect. And uh, this conference, I don't think would have been virtual had it not been for COVID. And so when I retired in October, this conference, I think literally was that week, uh, the week that I retired from Cisco. And so I started seeing some conferences and I thought, well, what the heck, let me check it out. And so I was in a, some sort of a policy talk room with her uh, and uh, somebody and some other folks and we kind of made a connection and there's actually, well, there's a lot more to the story and I'm not going to get into it now. I'm actually going to get into it next week because it'll be a good preface for my interview with Jeff, but Jeff, <laughs> Jeff was the interview. I was set up to do an interview with Jeff Moss, the founder of DEF CON. I mean, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Hopefully you could hear the excitement in my voice. That's kind of why I wanted to play that clip. But even so, I mean, it, until it happened, I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't for sure say it was going to happen. So I was still, you know, trying to keep my emotions and expectations in check. So did it actually happen? Well, at this point, you can probably assume it did, but there's still an interesting story behind that. So real quick, I want to talk about newbies. Uh, I mentioned noob, uh, I think earlier in here. So somebody's new to something as a newbie, and it's newbies usually spelled N-E-W-B-I-E. Though a noob in computer terms is usually spelled N-O-O-B or sometimes N-0-0-B. And somewhere along the line, David, the guy who was with me, ran across a sticker. Because again, there's stickers everywhere. Because it's like a cool thing. <laughs> we trade stickers. It's like, it's like we're in elementary school or something. But we love our stickers. And somebody had a sticker, a little sticker that said noob, N-0-0-B. And it, when I first saw it, I kind of chuckled. I thought, yeah, yeah, that's funny. And and then I got to thinking, like, well, he gave me one. I'm like, am I, am I really going to put a sticker? Am I going to announce to the world that I'm a newbie? Am I going to put this on my laptop? You know, along with all the other really supposedly cool stickers I put on there to make me look cool. But then, you know, I got to thinking about it. And, and honestly, yeah, I wanted to put that on there. Because here's the thing. Everybody is a newbie at something. We're all noobs. And at DEF CON, that, that's to be embraced. And I think somebody quoted this at, at one, of the, one of the ceremonies. The most important phrase in science or in life, as far as I'm concerned, is, I don't know, because that means there's something to learn. That's a good thing. And as very much hacker culture, we, they want to learn more. They want to learn about new things. And they want to teach people what they've learned. So people, you know, contribute to this community and the betterment of others in their own way. Not just with code, not with just the technical stuff. Sometimes it's with, you know, tools or it can also be art, just joy. You know, for me right now, mine, my con contribution is well, journalism, I guess. I'm not sure if it's really what most people call journalism. 
uh, I guess, you know, I find articles, you know, of news, but I choose those articles. I pick what sources I think are good sources. And then I edit those down to get the bare essentials. And then I comment on those things. So that, you know, kind of my current contribution is, is that. And I'm out there to teach other newbies, you know, how to protect themselves, how, how security and privacy are important, and how to do all the simple little things uh, that we should all be doing to protect ourselves and to protect our loved ones. But anyway, I now wear that sticker with pride. It's uh, on my laptop and you just got to own it. It's a good thing. All right. So let's talk a little bit about contests. I've got a couple clips here. Basically, anybody can create a contest and you can do it officially or unofficially. The official contest, you actually have to apply and say, this is what I want to do. But as you're about to see, it can really be just about anything. And we're going to run the gamut here. So first of all, I'm going to play you a little clip from the tinfoil hat contest. And the idea, of course, with the tinfoil hat is that the government or somebody is trying to mind control you with radio waves. And your only possible defense is to block these waves. And a simple way to do that would be to put tinfoil on your head because it's metal. And not to get too scientific, but a metal cage, a Faraday cage, when done properly, and that turns out to be a key clause, when done properly, you can block radio signals. And so, you know, the classic conspiracy theory, you know, nut job guy who wears a tinfoil hat or some metal around his head is trying to prevent these mind control waves from getting into his brain. Well, at a hacker conference, you've got to have a contest to make a tinfoil hat, right? I mean, people were wearing them anyway, but this, these guys actually had a contest. And it wasn't just for looks. It was actually for how well it blocked radio signals. So in this area, they actually set up a bunch of radio transmitters and they took a dummy. Uh, like a dummy torso, uh, a female dummy torso. uh, And they implanted in the middle of this dummy torso's head, a radio receiver. And they were issuing everybody who wanted to do the contest sheets of tinfoil paper. And you were to take this tinfoil paper and construct in any manner you saw fit, a tinfoil hat. And you would take this tinfoil hat, put it on the dummy, and they would actually run radio spectrum tests to see how well your hat blocked radio signals. Now, they tried to get me to do it, and I said I was going to do it, and I ended up not doing it because I was documenting David doing it. And David, my buddy, made himself a hat. <laughs> I guess you could call it that. He basically wrapped the tinfoil completely around this dummy's head. And, you know, and with some admonition from the contest runner, he decided to at least make it so she could see, borrowed a pen from me and poked uh, holes where the eyes would go. Didn't seem to care too much about breathing. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that. But anyway, I'm... I managed to get a little snippet from this uh, person running the contest, and here's how she explained the tinfoil hat contest. All right, so I'm here with the people running the uh, tinfoil hat contest. So tell me about what's going on here. So we wanted to make a contest at DEF CON. This all started. We wanted something that could be totally inclusive. Anybody could play. You don't need to have elite hacker skills. Any ability level, any age can play. And the, so this is where tinfoil hat came from. We've got the mannequin here, and she's got a receiver in her head and we've got some transmitters in this room and folks are trying to see how well they can attenuate the signal and block those evil mind control rays gotcha and is there any are there any rules around not covering the nose or the mouth so she can actually breathe you know that's up to you if you want to kill yourself by not breathing you know we have no qualms against that but typically we recommend you know you look good you be able to see you don't get hit when you cross traffic so. All right. Well, you talked me into it. I'll go. I'll. Uh, I'll go see what I can make and see how well I can do on your contest here. All right. Good luck. 
Now, if you want to reach out to these guys, I'm going to tag them on Twitter. You can see who, uh, eventually you'll, you'll see how I tag them on Twitter. I'll put that information in the show notes as well. Uh, but, but just a little follow-up. So David made his hat and ran the tests, and it turned out he actually had a negative score. Somehow he had managed to not create a shield. He had actually created some sort of antenna. So anyway, that was funny. Now let's go to the complete other end of the spectrum and talk about the car hacking village. And this village had, I think, three, maybe four very modern vehicles that were sitting on the floor for people to try to break into. So let's listen for a little clip about the car hacking village contest. So what you're hearing right now in the background is a bunch of car horns going off. And the reason those horns are going off is because I am at Car Hacking Village at at DEFCON. And the way this works is if you could break into the vehicle, it sets off the horn. And some people here were using coat hangers and various implements are finding ways into very modern cars, I might add, and breaking into these vehicles. And when they do, it sets off the horn. And we just had a trio of like three different vehicles with their horns going off. So I'm wandering around and I'm off in a corner so I can pull my mask down a little bit. And uh, I just met up with Jason Williams, actually. He was one of the guys that I interviewed for Hackasat. Carl Rodeo couldn't make it, unfortunately, but I sent him his challenge coin. I told these guys, these, are, these guys work with the military, and I told them that I would send them a challenge coin or give them one here on site if I saw them. So I just delivered one to Jason. Just wandering around checking out some of these villages. It's quite the atmosphere. There's people hacking things left and right. It's really, it's really quite the sight to see. All right, and one more contest. I, I don't have any audio to play. I wish I did. Uh, if they had posted some, I would have done one particular snippet, and that's Hacker Jeopardy, and it was so fun. They did it two different nights. I think Thursday and, uh, or Friday and Saturday nights, they had Hacker Jeopardy, and it's pretty much what it sounds like. It's somebody, a really usually funny person who's a good MC, runs the show, and there's six categories and five levels for each one, and there's two rounds, uh, and you different teams, and in this case, some of them are remote, uh, answered questions. And some of them were straight up hacking questions and some of them were pop culture questions. You know, it, it was Jeopardy. <laughs> but before before Hacker Jeopardy, uh, everyone's had a full day. They're probably already drinking. I know I was. Uh, and people start batting around beach balls. And somebody brings beach balls, they blow them up and they start pounding these things around. And we were in a big conference room, really tall ceilings uh, with really nice, big, fancy chandeliers <laughs> on the ceilings. <laughs> And, uh, well, after a few of these beach balls, you know, got bounced around, some of them were hitting the chandelier and were knocking loose some of these strands of crystal. And as soon as that happened, somebody would invariably shout out, uh, it was like that when we got here, which again, I'm a newbie, um, but it sounded to me like that is something that is often said at these things. Cause my guess is things are broken at these conferences, uh, on a regular basis. So that's how, that's how things started before we even got into Hacker Jeopardy. But then this led to another classic DEFCON phrase and my biggest swear word yet for this podcast. So there's daily doubles, just like there are in regular Jeopardy, if you've ever watched the show. And there's a couple key hidden cells that if you choose this category at this certain dollar level, it pops up as a DFIU double. And DFIU stands for don't fuck it up. So this is your chance to really increase your money, just like it does with the real show, but it's just funny that they call it that. And as soon as this pops up, the entire crowd just chants, don't fuck it up. And I wish I could have gotten a clip of that audio. Maybe they'll post that at some point, but it was, it was really fun. And again, it's just all part of the fun atmosphere. And just 
again, one of the several, several contests at DEF CON. All right, next, a really short clip. Again, <laughs> indulging me a little bit. This, this is just wanted to show you some of my uh, excitement for the interview. The interview did happen. So spoiler alert, I did manage to interview Jeff Moss, and I was just super pumped. This is me right after that interview. Well, folks, it actually happened. I don't believe it. I just got done interviewing Jeff Moss, a.k.a. Dark Tangent. He's such a great guy. It was a great interview. I had so much fun doing it. I was really nervous going into it. But <laughs> I actually took a shot of vodka before I did this interview just, just to kind of, you know, little social lubricant. But anyway, once we got started, it was just super easy. I got in the groove, and I really enjoyed it. He was a great guy. He had really interesting answers to the questions. I can't wait to bring you that interview. But it's done. It actually happened. I've saved the file. I've backed it up and made three copies. We are all good. So the full interview will be next week. You definitely do not want to miss that. Jeff is just a, such a great guy, and we had a really good time talking. It's so easy to talk to, uh, along with some now funny, maybe not funny at the time, uh, behind-the-scenes tidbits about how this all unfolded and some hiccups that really could have screwed things up. Uh, all that will come next week. So uh, that happened on Saturday afternoon. It was supposed to actually be Sunday morning. I got contacted uh, earlier Saturday, and Jeff wanted to do it right away. So we did it. We did it Saturday afternoon, and then man, after that, I was just ready to chill, and frankly, party. Uh, and not that I hadn't, not that I hadn't been partying and drinking already, but uh, it was basically the last night of, of real DefCon, uh, of the real stuff going on. And so I was ready to get out and have a good time. So uh, I've got one little clip here uh, for Sunday morning as things start wrapping up at DefCon 29. Well, here we are, folks. The last day of DefCon. It's been quite, quite a week. Well, four days, I guess. So anyway, this was definitely kind of a DefCon light. Uh, and honestly, that was, I think, really the best introduction for me. Uh, it was a lot more intimate. There was uh, fewer people, so it wasn't quite as crowded. I mean, there were still a lot of people here, don't get me wrong. But from everybody I've talked to, you know, it's usually wall to wall. You know, 30,000 people, uh, I think, was the last count. So anyway, I'm rambling a little bit because I'm a little brain dead. It's been quite the experience. I was actually out until 2.30 in the morning last night partying with some people that I met here. That's a really interesting story. So we had a great time. Uh, I've met several other great people here uh, that I hope to keep in touch with after this is all over. And then uh, closing ceremonies at 4 o'clock. Uh, and that'll wrap it all up. Dark, uh, Dark Tangent, Jeff Moss will come out and close things down for us. And then I think we're going to go out to dinner with some of the people I met here. And then we're going to, me and my buddy are going to go see Penn and Teller tonight uh, should be a great show and then tomorrow morning early we head back so as you can tell i was really starting to get brain dead it was it was quite quite the experience and i had not had that much alcohol in that short of time in a long time now you, you don't have to drink that heavily at defcon i mean people do i did people did a lot more than i did honestly i'm just getting kind of old for that <laughs> but i still had a really great time and uh, i just want to tell you a little bit of a couple stories about the drinking so um you know, DEFCON and hackers in general are kind of almost synonymous with shenanigans. And, you know, back in the day uh, when this first started, they used to do a lot of this at, a, I think, a hotel or a resort complex called Alexis Park. And if you watch the DEFCON documentary, which, again, I highly recommend, uh, you'll see some of the antics and video from back in those days at Alexis, at Alexis Park and some of the stories that were handed down about things that happened at Alexis Park, but I, one of the more interesting aspects of that for me, and we're about to hear from the goons a little bit, they're going to mention the AP days, that would be the Alexis Park days, was this place 
you know, God help him, basically embraced this DEF CON community at great financial risk. But what, basically what they did, instead of, you know, trying to be really uptight about it and trying to prevent bad things from happening, they kind of got zen about it and made peace with it and basically said, okay, look, yeah, we know you guys are going to drink a lot. We know you guys are going to do some crazy stuff at the pool parties and in your rooms. But here's the deal. Uh, here's here's the price list. <laughs> here's here's what that chair costs in your room. Here's what that chaise lounge at the around the pool costs. Here's what all these things are should you decide to destroy, uh, deface, steal, or another way, in some other way, deprive us of these objects. <laughs> and, and it's just, I don't know, it just says a lot to me about how this, this whole culture just kind of permeated this thing. And it's like, they just accept the consequences. Let, go have a good time. That's fine. If, if you're going to do it, that's cool. Just know that when it's all said and done, you're, you're, you're going to pay us back. All right. So anyway, Let's, let's talk about DEFCON 29. So I went to pool parties on two of the nights, and I hung out with this kind of same group of people. I ran into them both times. And uh, we had a lot, a lot of fun, drank a lot of booze. I'm not a beer guy, so for me it was cocktails. I Long Island iced teas were my favorite, so you can see how I uh, managed to get pretty tipsy pretty quick. But because of this kind of notion of shenanigans, I decided I, something I wanted to do is I wanted icebreakers. I wanted, I wanted to uh, have a way to socialize in a unique way and hopefully a fun way with some people I met on the floor at DEF CON. So I bought, we went to a liquor store, actually in Nevada, you can go to Albertsons, which is a grocery store and buy liquor. And I bought 12 mini bottles of liquor, uh, four Jack Daniels, four Sky Vodka, and four Jose Cuervo tequila. The idea being that I would take these, sneak these, I guess, because I'm sure the hotel wouldn't like me doing this, uh, DEFCON wouldn't care, <laughs> sneak these mini bottles in my backpack into the floor. And upon occasion, uh, one of two things, first of all, challenge coins. We talked about challenge coins. I gave these things out to my patrons, uh, who signed up at a certain level some time ago, made these coins. There's only 100 of these coins on the entire planet. They're super, super cool. They're D20 dice coins. I'm not going to get all of that. You can go to uh, d20key.com and learn all about them. But I'd given some of these out. And the thing with a challenge coin is that if you are presented this challenge coin, uh, in a lot of situations of military, I think in particular, I'm not military, but I've been told, if you produce the coin and the other person doesn't, then that person owes you a drink. So what I had said, with anybody who presented me at DEF CON with their challenge coin, I would buy their first drink. And because I knew I was going to be giving one to Jason, uh, I thought, well, I will be able to service that promise right there on the spot. Now, it turns out he had to go talk to the press right after I gave him that coin, so he could not partake. Uh, and I didn't, unfortunately, run into anybody else who could provide their challenge coin to me. Uh, so hint, hint, next year, for those of you who have challenge coins and are going to DEF CON. But I did manage to find some occasions to do shots of liquor on the floor at DEF CON. Okay, so I want to wrap this up with a few short interviews. Uh, the big one, of course, is Jeff Moss, DT, next week. You definitely don't want to miss that. And I've got a little teaser on that one uh, here at the end of the show. But I interviewed some goons, finally, on day four, when things were kind of winding down. I found some of the goons that were actually in the room with me, listening to my interview with Jeff Moss. And uh, one was a father-daughter pair, which I thought was super cool, so I thought I should go back and talk to them. Uh, and then uh, someone else who works with him in there in that room, too. And I just called him all over, and we kind of went to the same area where I interviewed Jeff in that same little room, and I asked them what it was like to be a goon. So we're going to have that one first. And then 
you know, kind of a basking in the afterglow, I got a little comment from David, my buddy who came with me on this trip. And then finally, I interviewed Jesse and Matt. These are the guys that we met in the swag line and spent a lot of our time with. We went to dinner a couple times uh, with these guys. They're really nice guys. And so I wanted to get their impressions of their first DEF CON trip. So I'm just going to play these all back to back. Uh, here are three little interview snippets. So no pressure, but you guys are now representing all goons. Because this is going to be the only goon interview I do. Uh, what are your hacker handles and what's the story behind each one of them? Uh, my hacker handle is Honey. And that's because nobody can pronounce my last name, so it's stuck with me since. <laughs> All right. Uh, mine is Dent Do It. It actually comes from a long time ago when I was trying to make an online gamer tag for EverQuest. And I would type in a name, and it would tell me it was used. It would tell me a name, it was used. And so I ended up just saying, can't do it. And I changed the C to a Z to represent my son. Ah, nice. And what's your hacker name, and how'd you get it? My hacker name is Fox. And I just kind of picked it. Um, part of it was, I really like phoenixes, and like Harry mm. Potter has the phoenix like, yeah. named Fox. I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan, so it's kind of a fake. But I'm like, <laughs> it's a phoenix that everybody knows. So right. we just kind of went with it. But I just liked it. So just kind of picked nice. it. Explain first what a goon is. The goon are just voluntary staff that, in my case, I run the village department. And we help organize all the villages when they, from them applying to become a village to when they get on site. What the goons do is we help make sure they have all the equipment they need, whether it be audio, video, layout of the rooms, setups, internet, any kind of gear or whatever they need. We try to make their, as they come on site, we are their point of contact to get things from the hotel or from the conference. Gotcha. All right, real quick, round robin, give me your origin story. Like, how did you become a goon? Oh, I started all the way back in the AP days. I was coming from probably DEFCON 10, and around DEFCON 13, I met 1057 Lost, who was known for doing most of the badges for a lot of years. And he picked me up under his wing, and I became his sidekick for another five years. And then about DEFCON 21, 22, they made me the village lead, and then they turned around and made my entire thing its department of its own, so it's just grown. Because back then we had maybe three villages and now we're averaging over 30. Nice. And then you? Um, so when I was old enough to come, I'm like, I just turned 21. So nice. I was like, parents are like, you're too young to go to Vegas. You can't go. So when I was old enough to go, I would just follow him around. And so like I had a white badge and I was just following a red shirt. And it's just like, she can come. He's, she's my daughter. It's fine. She's with <laughs> me. And then I finally got promoted to my own red shirt. So it's kind of follow your dad around and then get some special things out of it. <laughs> well, I'm the father of two daughters, so that's, that has a special meaning for me personally. That, that's really awesome. All right, how about you? So I started working with Zant um, about a decade ago now, and um, I started coming to DEF CON, I think, six years ago, and the first year I basically followed Zant around because I had no idea what DEF CON exactly was um, and what to exactly do here, and then the year after that he had asked me if I wanted to goon for him, and I've been here since. Okay, so on the way here, I, I was sitting in an airport, and I just struck up a conversation with this old lady that was sitting next to me, and, and what are you doing, whatever, oh, what are you doing, and then, oh, we're going to a hacker conference, and she immediately, like, almost recoiled, like, she's like, and she gave this look, like, what, you know, and, you know, and, and I could tell that I, she was already put off, and I'm sure you guys must get this, too, from muggles that, you know, muggles, Harry Potter reference, you know, for, for the people that don't know really what hacking is all about, so when that happens to you, how do you explain to non-hacker people what hacker culture is and what and what these conferences are really about yeah i do a actually a special thing for middle school kids to help teach them security and all this other stuff as well and it's the same thing i always ask them how many people are hacker and in my mind it's not 
it's more like a personality or a hobby or whatever. I was like, in my mind, I tell them everybody in the world is a hacker. Hmm. So the basic mindset, they're just tinkerers. Anybody in the world, if you've ever taken a shoe and used it to hold the door open, you're hacking. You hack the shoe. Right. So that's really the mindset. It's just people that like to do things like that. And then I usually try to do the exact same thing and explain to them that, yes, there are bad hackers out there, but just as many bad hackers, there's good hackers, medium hackers. And there are so many hackers out there doing things on their defense to help teach and protect the uh, actual community. How about you? Um, my father taught at the same high school I graduated from. And so I think it was my junior or senior year. I was in a computer science course, and um, the instructor you know, asked the question, has anyone ever hacked anything? And so I, I kind of raised my hand because like, when I was first learning computers, um, I had a friend who you know, was like, oh, hey, look, you can, we can break into this thing, not in a malicious way, but in a, hey, this is a um, way that you can use it not as its design and things like that, too, just, just kind of exploring, like, old GeoCity websites, things like that, right? Um, when Angel Fire was a thing, or when people wow, yeah, still used password as their password on their Yahoo accounts they, and stuff. They still do. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> and then so there's, you know, a few other things I had tinkered around with and played around with, and so I raised my hand and I told him, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, I've done this stuff before, and, like, I've looked at these type of things. And I think I go to my next class and I get called down to the principal's office. My dad's there as well. And they're like, you're a hacker. You're not allowed to do these oh, things. No. We're looking at expelling you and blah, blah, blah. And so my father told me, he's like, don't ever bring this up ever again. Oh, wow. And so then fast forward and I'm showing him all this cool stuff that I enjoy doing. Um, a lot of the, like the newer train search that I'm doing as well um, associated with it. He's like, I never knew you were interested in this. I'm like, no, no, you did. You told me not to talk about it. So <laughs> I kind of held on to that for 20 years. But, um, you know, kind of like the best way that I explain to him or I try to explain to anybody is a lot of it is focused on not necessarily being malicious. You have a malicious behavior, but it's for a good intent. Mm. As long as you're using your tools for good, right? Right, right. And, like, that's what I try to have people focus on is, like, there's a lot of good hackers out there who are doing it because ignoring the problem doesn't make it go away and malicious actors are still going to do malicious things whether you know that problem's there or not. How about you? Like, How many of your friends do this as well? And the, for the ones that don't, what do you tell them about what you do? Most of my friends actually aren't really too much into this, but none of them actually seem to mind. Um, I actually have a lockpick set that I got nice. from Tool yes. and did all of that. At my birthday party one time, we just brought out all the locks. And we were just sitting at the dining room table. Just I was just teaching my friends how to pick them and Fantastic. just for fun. But I'm like currently I'm a college student. I started doing this in like high school was when I first came, and so it's always been like an educational thing for me, and not really like the whole good and bad. It's just like these things are out there. These are things that you can do if you're interested. These are things that you can learn about, and that's why I come. That's why I would do what I do. Well, thank you so much, guys. That was a great interview. Thank you for doing what you're doing and keeping all the wheels running here and the, t the trains running on time. Thank you so much. Awesome. You're welcome. Thank you. thank you. All right. So I'm sitting in the hotel room here uh, in the Paris. It's our last day at DEF CON. We're just about ready to head down for the closing ceremonies uh, with Dark Tangent. And I'm sitting here with my, my buddy David, who has been my wingman here uh, for, the, for the trip. And I wanted to get some of his perspectives. This was his first DEF CON as well. So um, why did you come? What, what was it brought, that you, brought you here besides me? I originally had seen DEF CON online, YouTube, different videos, that kind of thing. And that was the next step for me, really, to say, what is DEF CON? Let me go experience it. Come to Las Vegas, feel that craziness. <laughs> go to DEF CON, meet these people, go to the different workshop and sessions. So I really wanted to take that next step. You know, what was what is your key takeaway from your first DEF CON? 
for me, it's that chasm where you can run into people that are really intimidated by the word hacker. <laughs> so there's a jump you have to make there. But you come to the con here and you realize that it is something that's more accessible. That's something that you can get into and follow as a passion or an, as an interest by just spending some time and meeting these people and working way more increment, incrementally, if you will, toward that, that goal. And what was the culture like? What, did you, what, what, what was the vibe for you here? Crazy accessible. A yeah. lot of times you'll walk through some mall or whatever and people are just in their little boxes. Here you can literally stop and talk to anybody. You can meet a person that's been to 25 cons or you're going to meet a person that's, this is their first con as well. And everybody's willing to talk, share their experiences, and it's just awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience. DEFCON 30, baby. Yeah, that's right. Next year. All right, well, DEFCON is officially over. We just got done with the closing ceremonies run by DT and a bunch of the other guys. Uh, the black badges, the Uber badges were handed out, which is a free ticket to DEFCON for life for uh, 10 lucky contest winners. And I'm here with a couple guys that we met in Swagline. Uh, very first day, we'd just gotten in here. It's uh, cash only, and we were, it was, line was huge. And so we uh, you know, had plenty of time to get to know each other. So uh, first of all, tell me real quick, give me your names, where you're from, and why you came. I'm Matt. Uh, I'm uh, from Minnesota here, and uh, I just came to kind of absorb the the hacker community and uh, figure out like where uh, where do I sit in the uh, the hacker community? Am I a, am I a hacker? Am I sort of a security professional, as they say? But yeah, it was a great time, and I, I learned quite a bit, and uh, had a had a blast. Now, are you on your own dime, or did your company send you? My company sent me uh, after much convincing. You know, I'm more of a system administrator in my role, so. They were hesitant to send me to a uh, quote-unquote hacker conference, mm-hmm. but it was beneficial. I think I, you know, I can apply some of the things I learned to the company and to my own skill set. But yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was beneficial. All right, man. How about you? Yeah, I'm Jesse, uh, also from Minnesota, and I actually work with Matt. So a lot of the similar things. I'm a systems administrator, just like he is. Kind of the same thing with the form of the conference being a hacker conference and us being more on the sysadmin side, but there's still a lot of crossover and and components of what we went to here at DEF CON being applicable to our business and what we do every day. And it was a great experience, first time going, really wonderful to network with a lot of the people that are in this industry that are way above over our heads, but just to be exposed to that and kind of see the inner workings of it was really eye-opening and I'm looking forward to taking some of that back to our company and, and be better because of it. Absolutely. All right. So uh, think back, you know, we've been here for four days and there's a lot of madness. There's a lot of, I mean, this is like no other conference I've ever been to. So I'm guessing the same for you guys. Like for you, what kind of says DEF CON to you? Like when you're coming home, what's like the first story you're going to tell or the most interesting one you think you're going to tell? Yeah. I mean, just the people involved, right? Walking around the conference floor, going to all the different villages, seeing the people that were showing off their their LED setups and mm-hmm. their um, antennas and, and <laughs> RF signals they were walking around with. I mean, yeah. these guys have have spent you know years building and creating, and it's really cool to see how much the community brings to DefCon. I mean, you know, the official talks are great. Um, I love seeing you know some of these big names do do talks and give presentations, but seeing what just the, the community provides yeah. is really, really cool. Yeah. All right. How about you? Yeah. I mean, just the passion behind this. I mean, this is a four-day conference, but 
it is a ongoing 365 day a year effort yeah. and the passion that people have and that are the level of involvement they have like the the CTF um, event and the closing ceremony covered that in quite a bit of depth but just seeing how much time how much effort how much love know, right? goes into this is amazing and the same thing for these badges I was just amazed by that I know the badges um, and it looks yeah. like it's been this way for many years but just the time and the effort one of the first talks they had was the team that designed and made the badge I mean it was four months of grueling work but just having such an appreciation for all of their time effort expertise knowledge that they put into it to make it a memorable experience for all of us well you've been here first you've uh you're no no longer noobs are you guys coming back next year for the big three zero absolutely definitely well folks there you have it there's my little mini documentary of my first trip to defcon now I just barely touched the surface. There's so many things that happened to DEF CON that you, you can't do them all. Uh, there's the toxic barbecue. Yet another chance to socialize and have some fun. There was the contest for chilling a beer. Again, all covered in the DEF CON documentary, which you absolutely need to watch. There's even a soundtrack for DEF CON. And you can, it's free. You can go download it right now. I'll put a link to the show notes. And then another funny story. <laughs> Supposedly, uh, they told us to us at the closing ceremonies when they were kind of doing a wrap-up of what happened from security perspectives and contests and all these other things. Uh, supposedly, one of the DJs dropped the bass so hard that it broke a chandelier. I, I, I would think from the room below the bass. I'm not sure how that happened. Maybe that's apocryphal. I don't know, but that's, that's what they said. But I cannot wait to go back next year and i at this point, I'm just assuming I'm I'm in. I'm I'm just going to keep going. It's way too fun to miss. So, let me wrap all this up with a little uh, little retrospective on, on all of this. First of all, DefCon is definitely what you make it. You got to put yourself out the, out there a little bit, and it's easy to do that in this environment with these people. You need to learn. You need to be a noob, embrace that, own that, and and learn. If any of this sounded remotely interesting to you. Plan a trip to DEFCON. Now, not Black Hat, DEFCON. Now, if you want to dip your toe in that pool a little bit first, there's another series of hacking conferences that sort of spun off from these bigger conferences in remote locations. They're called B-Sides. And actually, that was the first one I think I went to. That may have been my first hacking conference. I went to B-Sides, I think it was called B-Sides Raleigh at the time, and it's now B-Sides RDU for Raleigh-Durham. But a lot of cities around the U.S. anyway, and I'm not sure about internationally, but have these B-sides. And they're not at the same time. Uh, so, like, for instance, B-sides RDU is going to be in October. And I totally plan on going to that. And it's, it's, it's much smaller. It's much more intimate. But it'll kind of give you a flavor of what one of these conferences are like. But, man, if you like that at all, absolutely plan at some point to go to a DEF CON. I guarantee it won't be your last Again, these people are so friendly, so open, so welcoming, so diverse. I mean, if, if you think you don't fit in somewhere, you will definitely fit in there. And somebody said this at one of the, uh, I think at the closing ceremonies, one of the goons said something like, they were, they were talking about somebody who was ruining it for somebody else. And, and I don't know if this is a phrase they often use, uh, but they, they should. And it was something to the effect of the only way to screw up DEF CON is to screw it up for somebody else. Honestly, it almost seems like the primary goal is to have fun and the secondary goals are to learn. But it's 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 just a wonderful place to go. It was I had a lot of fun. Everyone is welcome. All you need 
is a desire to learn, perhaps to teach, to share things with others, you know, find your niche. There's so many amazing little niches that you, you can find and, and, and interests that can be satisfied and they just keep adding more every year. And again, these are, these are craftspeople. These, these people care about what they do uh, as a craft and they want to teach that to others. They want to make everyone do it better and have a lot of fun while they're doing it. So unfortunately, DEF CON 30 next year is canceled. <laughs> no, it's not. DEF CON is canceled is a long running gag. Uh, and there's t-shirts. <laughs> I'm not sure how it started, but it's something that they perennially say. And it, someone will tell you, hey, you know, DEF CON was canceled. It's not canceled. Even last year with COVID, it wasn't canceled. So next year is DEF CON 30, three decades of DEF CON. Jeff Moss has been there through the whole thing. Assuming we can get past COVID, it's going to be off the hook. Now, I've been inspired to do something. I want to do something really fun for DEF CON. I'm not sure what, but I want to do something kind of different and fun for DEF CON 30. Uh, why? Well, you know, to enhance my own fun. Uh, also, hopefully to make it more fun for somebody else or provide a more interesting experience for other people. And I'd love to come up with something not only fun, but, you know, kind of meaningful or some way to learn something new uh, or just give back. I mean, I felt so welcoming. So anyway, I, I've got a year to think about it. We'll see what I can come up with. I've got lots of ideas. It could be anything from as simple as uh, what they call, what they affectionately call at DEF CON an SAO uh, or a shitty add-on. And for a lot of times what these are, little nuggets that you can attach to the regular badge that make it do more things. And they're usually just blinky lights or something kind of funny, which is why they call them shitty add-ons. But they're anything but. There's a lot of creativity that goes to these things. And just because they don't have layers and layers of puzzles in them doesn't mean they're shitty. Maybe I'll make a special challenge coin for this and start giving those away every year. I don't know. Maybe I'll come up with a personal contest. Maybe I'll try to apply and run an actual contest. And now that I'm retired, you know, I'm kind of trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. And there, this community, DEF CON in particular, and hacking in general, offers so many opportunities. It's got me, my brain spinning with all sorts of ideas. So thank you so much for listening. I know this was a little bit long. I hope you enjoyed it. Actually, I, I left a lot of content on the cutting room floor for one reason or another. Believe it or not. You know, maybe I pulled out some of the more personal experiences that I didn't really, you know, want to get into here. It wasn't really more about DEF CON. It was more about me. So I kind of pulled some of those out, but probably pull a lot of that together uh, to make some bonus content for my patrons on Patreon. You can check me out there. Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Thank you so much to so many people, obviously to Jeff Moss for doing the interview and for running the damn conference, to Melanie Ensign for, you know, making that introduction for me and, and trusting me to do this and, you know, putting me in front of Jeff Moss to David for accompanying me on this and, you know, being my wingman and supporting my documentary efforts and being a sounding board. I asked him, you know, his opinion on a lot of these things to help figure out how I was going to do this kind of on the fly. All the goons who kept the trains running on like clockwork, uh, obviously to the three goons in particular, you know, Zed Duet, uh, his daughter Fox and Honey for doing that interview, Matt and Jesse for also doing the interview and they didn't have to do that. I appreciate that. And, you know, just all the people I met and, and mentioned that made me feel so welcome. So one last thing before we go, of course, next week is the big interview with Jeff Moss. And I asked him several questions, but uh, this was my favorite question. And he had a very interesting answer. How much longer do you want to do this? And, in my, and as I was writing this question and thinking about how I was going to ask you, given what I've seen here and what I know about the hacker culture, I could totally see you pulling some sort of this Willy Wonka, you know, Past the torch thing where you have the golden tickets and, you, and you're vetting oh, and somehow these people I are going to... You know, it's funny you ask this. So it's, <laughs> it's not a, a, a secret, but I don't, I've never talked about it publicly before. 
So there you have it, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for the big interview and subscribe to the podcast if you want to be kept up to date on security and privacy news and some more great interviews in the future. So take care, everybody. Please get your shots. The Delta variant is running rampant. And the reason it's running rampant is because we did not get everybody vaccinated quite fast enough. We've got to shut this off because the next variant could be even worse. So please, 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 please go get your shots. Help other people to get their shots. We have got to shut this down or we're going to be in big, big trouble. And until next week, everybody, stay safe out there and don't get caught with your drawbridge down.